Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. I'm joined again by Liam O'Brien. Uh, we're going to focus in on the European Rugby Champions Cup, primarily. Uh, again, reviewing the four provinces' performance. Relatively good weekend, by all accounts. Leinster took Montpellier for 89 points. Ulster Rugby secured a bonus point win at North Hans, uh to effectively qualify as the top two seed. Connacht were pipped right at the end by Leicester Tigers. And Munster left it very, very late to be the cast side on Friday night. Liam Howard Hanks. Oh, great, man. Great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm chuffed with that that win on Friday night, I have to say. We definitely left it late, but at the same time, we did deserve it over over the course of the 80 minutes. So we played pretty much all the the rugby. Um, at least we tried, you know. I mean, Crowley, really nice game from him. Um, showed a bit of quality. And, of course, our, our pack, and in particular our back row, as per usual, got those crucial line-out steals, those, those turnovers to give us that momentum, which meant we were still there <laughs> uh, on the on the on the seventy-eight minutes to 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 get the try. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about this at length last week. We all we predicted it. I think to the script, uh, pretty much an arm wrestle, a very close encounter. You know, 13-16 at the end for Munster. Um, you know, they must have followed the podcast last week, Liam. But, uh, you know, it was real kind of arm wrestle, tactical kicking, very kind of conservative game plan off cast. Now, the, the team selection, if you compared their team selection from the Pro 14 to last week against Munster, was almost rec- unrecognisable. An awful lot of French squad players in, but what they didn't have an experience, they certainly made up for work rate and determination and they really did grow into the game, didn't they? Particularly in that opening quarter, they did really set a platform for uh, Crockett and also Ben Botica to start uh, testing our defence. Well, yeah, they, they did. And I mean, I suppose even though from the kickoff, it was, it was we kind of fluffed the ball as well. Like, so a lot of it was that was done to ourselves too. Um, you know, Haley again under the high ball, and um, so that's how they got a platform in that in that that first just was twenty minutes in particular, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I've notes here, and they're very precious in terms of line breaks or genuine quality in that open period. But Ben Botica's Botica's kick um, was a superb kick in behind to set up the opening score for the Cast's full back. I think you know maybe a few question marks about defensive backfield positioning of Munster. I don't know what your thoughts on were on the try, uh, Darling. Yeah, well, look, I suppose I mean I mean it was kind of like between Baron and uh, and Erlzy, wasn't it? There, you know, um, Baron particularly <laughs> seemed ponderous uh, for that, and um, yeah, but Earl still, you know, could have done better as well for sure. Yeah, and exactly, and Murray was in the line as well. You know, Murray's typically in the backfield as well, kind of protecting that sort of scenario. So I think it was brilliant off Ben Botica just to realise the space, realise that Murray was on the outside doing a defensive shift. I thought it was a good kick, in fairness. And in fairness to Barron, particularly with a full-back, you know, hooker, full-back race, only going to be one winner. And I think Earls was, you know, asking a little bit too much there. And 7-0, I mean, we're kind of literally, if we had any notions that this would be an easy night in cast, it certainly... We're dispelled on that, um, but Munster, in fairness, started to regroup a little bit. And Barron had come on at this stage for uh, Scannell, uh, who was out 
pretty early. I mean, with the shoulder hit and wish him well. But um, we did start to kind of gain momentum a little bit here, uh, Liam, and we did get a, create a penalty and Jack Crowley started a nice penalty to open our account. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and, and his, his kicks, I mean, I mean, they they were they were fairly straightforward in terms of and the posts, but they there was there was some good length in him, like you know. Um, so yeah, I was I was impressed with with his kicking and, and also just his his general creativity um, out of hand was quite good as well. And you know, I suppose we were talking about kicks. Kicks were key during the game, and I suppose that kick um, from Scannell really opened up. The, I think that almost opened up the game for Munster. You know, really got us motoring at that stage. Indeed. Now, in fairness to Cast. They defended very resolutely. We had our front row really kind of take ball to hand. I mean, Kilcoyne, I think there was endless possessions there and he was being driven back more than once. And it did need something a little bit different, a bit of variety in the play. And in fairness to Scannell, that crossfield kick to Earls to release uh, Mike Haley, as you say, it was a very significant moment. It kind of even released a bit of tension off the Munster guys in terms of they're attacking with trying to kind of set something up. I mean, it was a very good, incisive line break, as you, as you said, Ling. Yeah, and and again, I suppose then the the, the key thing is that when they came back to um to 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 Crowley, and and another kind of cross field kick um to Conway, but kind of uh, a bit behind him, almost not like that he could run onto. Um, that that. You know, that was a bit of a chance, I guess, as well, you know. Well, I did like the idea. I did like the idea from Maurice yeah. Scannell and also to Crowley as well, really to extend the field defensively for Cass because they were very, very tight defensively. They're really predicting our one-out runners an awful lot and we needed to kind of change the variety and make them think a little bit in terms of their defense. Their defensive license speed, I thought, was quite superb throughout the game, Cass. You know, for such big physical players, you know, they're really, their conditioning never waned uh, during the game, really, and... You know, as you say yourself, the Crowley kick was slightly behind Conway, a little bit, maybe five, ten minutes, metres ahead. I think we could have been seeing kind of try time there in terms of momentum and support runners and stuff like that from Munster. But um, 7-3 at half time. I mean, the other kind of significant uh, probably passage of play was uh, the Fijian winger. And of course, oh, my God, sure. yeah. <laughs> I felt so sorry for Conor Murphy trying to kind of uh, trying to put like Conway, a arm Conway was down from Conway was coming full on like, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of like I was kind of heart, heart in the mouth kind of stage there when I saw him. He was just barreling through tackles and, you know, making a good 40, 40, 45 metre gain. And to be fair to Munster, they did recover very well defensively. And I think you alluded to it at the start podcast. You know, we shouldn't forget the, the contributions of Peter Romani, particularly in that first 30 minutes. I thought he was absolutely outstanding in terms yes. of his disruption of line out in terms of uh, kind of malls, stuff like that defensively. He was so on point and one vital turnover ball for Munster when we needed and, it. And, yeah, and at, at, the very, at the end of the half as well, you know, a, a nice line-out steal as well. And again, maybe a a, a chance went to begging there as well, like, you know, Coombs with the, with the offload. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose it would be remiss as well. I suppose we might mention it a little bit in the second half, but we did have prime tacking position as well. Uh, five metres out from the cast line mal, uh, line-up malfunction here with Farrell the front of the line-out. You know, with Barron there, it was kind of a malfunction from a line-out unit, like a squandered opportunity, really, at that time, 
could have been a significant confidence boost for Munster and maybe have set Cass back a bit in terms of their morale going into the second half. Yeah, and again, again, I mean, you don't want to be harsh on someone, but I mean, like, the line-out to me, it was it was like, Barron obviously went off, but up to that stage, he wasn't that effective. And then you're looking at maybe Finneen Witcherly uh, as well, in terms of his control of the line-out, um, wasn't effective uh, on the night as well. Exactly. Cass had probed that in Tolman Park a few weeks prior. And they continued to go with that policy. They were not afraid to commit guys to challenge the line-out, uh, particularly maybe they've sensed they sensed maybe kind of a vulnerability there within Munster. But again, 7-3 at half-time. But then Munster had responded quite brilliantly, I thought, in the first 10 minutes, really kind of... That's for Conway. Goal. Remember, like, Con- Conway's um, kick uh, that went... That, OK, granted, it went out, <laughs> dead, dead, but that was a real chance, I thought, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like, again, yeah, again, you know, that attacking width that we'd asked for last week seemed to full effect, you know, kick a little bit more accurate. But it's kicking intelligently that's what it is like exactly yeah. yeah it's and justifies the means particularly if you're hitting a brick wall for in the tight exchanges you know you have to kind of think outside the box and in fairness to conway who's very unlucky and i mean we tacked over a few uh, penalty regulation now crowley stepped up on airing i thought in terms of them and we suddenly were nine seven up uh now yeah, granted, that, that, that first 10 minutes the second half we were really on point we were, i think it was top notch you know Absolutely. I, 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 I think we, we had we deserved the, the whatever nine seven, but again we kind of went into ourselves after that, like you know, for the next the next fifteen twenty minutes after that. Yeah, it did suddenly turn into a bit of a kicking battle, and I wouldn't have blamed anyone to maybe have switched off between minutes fifty to sixty five, really, because it was very much kicking table tennis style. Haley saw an amount of ball, good touch finders. Top Rory Crockett nine for Cass was really controlling tempo. Same with Ben Bodica as well. And again, all Cass were looking for was looking for that error, looking for that unforced error from Munster. They got it, you know, and they set up uh, two penalties. Um, and Ben Bodica started them over uh, pretty convincingly. Yeah, like uh, I, I thought, you know, thirty nine. You know, even though it's only thirty nine, it's actually in the context of the game was just huge. Like absolutely going going into the last. 12 minutes you know was that we was that's it that was huge because you know even 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 we eke out a penalty and we're still we're still a point behind yeah exactly and i mean i think you have to call call out jack crowley's um performance as well you know one of them was kind of an unforced kind of knock-on that led to um you know a penalty subsequently to that but i thought composure from the guys to literally take that in their stride and continue to play the rugby. Uh, and by this stage, we'd emptied the bench uh, at that stage. I thought the likes of John Hodnett coming on made a huge difference just in terms of his mobility, his breakdown work. No slight on Jack who here, but I just felt going into the back row, I thought to me was a little bit the mobility factor, getting in there quickly, clearing rock ball. I think Hodnett is such a technician at that. And his significant line break as well was a real kind of turning point as well in the game when we needed someone really to step up. You know, he made absolute yards setting up the penalty um, for yeah. uh, size of game winning score. I don't know what your thoughts there in terms of game winning score was, uh, Liam, from uh, Gavin Coombs. Oh, oh, from Gavin Coombs. Oh, no, I just, I just, just, just go back to Hunt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
the guy, the guy really, um, his breakdown work is is incredible, and I suppose that's been that's been said before. But um, in terms of the the kick to the corner, you know, you know, I mean, we, we kicked to the corner then after that. Um, again, I mean, it, it's a hard, it's kind of a tough decision to try and make. Um, should we have taken the 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 points? We still had plenty of time at that stage to get our penalty. Um, and then you know you go and you lose the line out, but then of course Tyburn, <laughs> another crucial turnover, um, and in terms of the try itself, I, I, is this is hilarious? I think it should be kind of like a set move, <laughs> as as in your man obviously you know he took the ball and he placed it back. We didn't mean to, but it was um it kind of gave Coombs the opportunity. To, to go for the lion where a lot of the other cast guys were, were kind of focusing on the on the scrum half yeah significantly yeah and Casey had arrived on the scene for Murray and again provided that zip past the, you know in fairness to Murray I thought he was solid I've heard critiques in social media about Murray's performance that Murray was solid um, given the circumstances but Casey did provide a little bit more pace uh, in around the fringes uh, as well so yeah, and in fairness to Gavin Coombs as well, you know, the strength and power to power his way over was, you know, superb. And, I mean, it's such a it's such a vital score, you know, right at the end. You know, like, again, cast very similar to the Stade Francais game the week before, camped in their own line, and I think they probably thought history's going to repeat itself, that they'd keep their defensive sets going and they would ultimately get a breakdown. But I think Gavin Coombs, I think Ingenuity just really spot that gap, you know, particularly around the fringes, was very pivotal and it was a great conversion as well from Jack Crowley to make it 16-13 really to be fair but I'd say going back to that botched line out again very similar line out call Farrell at the front never really kind of deviated in terms of you know looking to win primary possession here it seemed and I also like a cast like their you know their offensive work their offensive um all I mean you know it was there was also a likelihood at that point that they would actually disrupt it Exactly. Yeah, it was um so maybe kind of food for thought there for Graham Roundtree and the the Muster Pack, I suppose, head of Wasp. But in fairness, any trip to France, I don't care regardless of the team that you're playing. I mean cast have shown this year top three in Pro fourteen for a reason. Their squad depth has been huge. You can see that with their first team performances that their squad on a par has given us problems, you know, particularly from a tactical kind of uh, arm wrestle perspective and I think it's a key win for Munster you know secured our ticket into the last 16 uh, and we can be only pleased by that result uh, given other results that went on last weekend yeah but also also you just keep in mind that they, they are a consistent like uh, top six team in, in the top 14 I mean they, they are always qualifying for Europe you know so maybe they don't get the respect that they deserve as well um but yeah, um, and and in terms of Ga- in terms of Gavin Coombs, he was the only guy you wanted to see there. To be honest about it, uh, at the end, in terms of if any other players would have had the power to uh, to score that try, you know, that's what you wanted. At the yeah, end. and and there was a subtle gain line break as well from Hotness. He spotted a little gap, you know, got another right, meter yeah. meter just before that, you know, which was quite significant. Really put Cass on their toes because I think the initial. I thought they thought maybe that quelled uh, Hodnett yeah. for a little bit, but I think that little initial second line break was 
pretty huge in the context of Casey then setting up for Coombs as well. Kind of reduced the the, the try line for him, and uh, like you're not going to stop a guy of that physicality from that range, you know, which was a key game. And to be fair to Munster, I've heard a critique again in terms of attacking platform. Aaron Jackman to a rate completely as Robbie Adams goes on the end though yesterday on on the offensive in terms of game plan. At least Munster tried to create some attacking width. We did see unforced errors in terms of balls being dropped, but at least there was a little bit more of an improvement in terms of supporting lines. I do recall was it uh, the Farrell KC one in the second half that could have stuck, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So at least we could see, and particularly the Scannell Crowley kicks as well, trying to vary it up, try to kind of get our back three involved. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know, I'll take the win in cast any day of the week. Uh, and yeah, I'd go back to, to to the yeah. I mean, I mean, we had advantage. We had a penalty advantage uh, for that um, Farrell Casey. Yeah, and you know that really that 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 a try that's time and the the match was pretty much over. You know, I think yeah. I don't think we can claim from a Munster's perspective. Uh, you know, three from three um, in here. Um, literally. If you consider the pool, um, the pool standings at the moment are currently in third. We've booked our place in the last 16, and we're not looking for an anxious result here um, over the weekend. Um, so maybe we'll move on here, uh, Liam. We've not a lot to get into, but next we'll maybe go in chronological order. Sports ground Galway, um, one of probably the ties of the round, really, uh, in terms of excitement for the neutral. Uh, Connacht 28-10 up, 60 minutes gone. Played some scintillating rugby after a very, very um, tricky start against Leicester Tigers. Yeah, yeah, they they they, they conceded the first try, didn't they? In two minutes, yeah. Exactly. You know that that image of the Leicester pack just literally marauding on them all. Just it didn't look good for Connacht, but in fairness, a dry day, a dry day here in Galway, and Connacht really did showcase uh, their attacking intent, particularly thereafter until minute fifty-eight. Thought they were simply outstanding. In terms of their attacking line breaks, um, Marmion, I thought, had another superb game. Keen Prendergast, Bundy Aki for the Prendergast, superb offload. It did look, did look perfectly poised for Connacht at 28-10 just to close it out. I don't know, Liam, what are your feelings on it in terms of the last 20 minutes? Where did it all go wrong for Connacht rugby? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I mean sometimes you play too much rugby, don't you? <laughs> yeah, and, 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 you're, and you're told just to kind of, you know... Slow the game down a bit uh, and kick as far as you can. Simple as that. Yeah, just, yeah, no, in fairness to the Tigers pack and looking back over Gallagher Premiership fixtures, and I was alluded to on the BT Sports commentary, Leicester Tigers, particularly in that second half, won an awful lot of games in the Gallagher Premiership coming from behind, winning tie contests. So from a physicality perspective, they were going to bring it for the full 80 minutes. Why wouldn't you expect it from Steve Borwick, coach side? Just the struggles for Connacht really from the front five really did kind of start to emerge. I'd say after about a minute, like the first quarter was a bit of a tricky point, but particularly going into that fourth quarter, Leicester Tigers pack really did assert dominance again. I thought they won collisions pretty much consistently and Connacht were scrambling, you know, and I, Maybe you thought they were gassing out a little bit, but about 15, 20 minutes left, you know, and, you know, some superb tries for Leicester Tigers. But um, it just, yeah, it just all conspired for Connacht, didn't it? But, you know, even, even as I said, like when you're there with, with, with um, three, four minutes to go, you know, 
in particular, in particular, you just get the ball off the park, don't you? You really do. Yeah, it's, you know, you're having to play a percentage game then at that stage. Would have liked to have seen a little bit more game management from 9 and 10 here, really kind of controlling things, you know. Um, you know, the kick game wasn't good, um, particularly, you know, setting up good field position, uh, particularly likes of Freddie Burns, um, you know, and the, 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 I thought the bench as well, the bench impact from Leicester was so significant, Liam. I just didn't think Connick Bench really did um, fire a shot in that last 25, 30 minutes, which I think should be a worry for any friend uh, and coaching staff, you know, that the first line, the first team players that started gave their all, but they were, you know, the effort that they'd put in, um, obviously they needed to be replaced a bit earlier. And the scrum yeah. literally was in sixes and sevens by the end. It was giving field position perfectly for Leicester. But then, and their pack platform was superb. And as you say yourself, uh, Lima, all kind of culminated right on 80 minutes. I just thought Connick defensively far too tight defensively, far too passive. I thought one or two of them looked absolutely gassed, even subs bench wise. Ball goes out and unfortunately for Tiernan Halloran, he scores two tries. Again that has, has that always been a been an issue with Tiernan O'Halloran, you know? <laughs> at the same time, you know. You know, it needs you to know, be stopped he, at he, source. He, he will let it up at the end, yeah. Yeah. You know, so Mackey has to be stopped at source. It's no good then waiting for a second defender to come and uh, save the day because, I mean, John Porch makes a valiant attempt. You're not going to stop a guy of that size and physicality going over the line. It was very close. I know there was a few Twitter photographs. He's clearly, clearly he, touched it's down. It's clearly a try. Clearly a try. You know, sure. but it's, you know, I think it's a it's a useful lesson here for Connacht, you know, to keep, you know, you know, particularly when they have an advantage, how to basically close out games. Um I think, I think we 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 kind of <laughs> alluded to maybe like if that was Munster with a few minutes to go, definitely they would have the the smarts. I think it's fair to say to close out a game like that. Yeah, do you feel there was a bit of naivety there in Connacht? For sure, that yeah, it, it, there has. I mean, you know, I mean it's, it's still you know new, relatively new for them uh, the Champions Cup rugby that experience the game. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's, you know, it's a, considering the performance, you know, particularly the start, I think, you know, video analysis will be a mixed bag. You know, you have to embrace what went on from minute 15 up until the 49th, 50th minute here. Um, you know, some of the, the tries were nothing short and sensational from Connacht. But again, it's, I think just the squad depth as well here, Liam, got a little bit exposed, particularly in your front row. Um you know, particularly the impact coming off the bench, it's huge. There's a when big drop, there, isn't there? Yeah. There is, seems that, yeah, particularly when you're, particularly when you have a pack oriented side like Leicester Tigers coming to town, who are literally going to go to town on you if you're if a bit vulnerable, particularly in front five, particularly coming into that third, fourth quarter. They've literally won games domestically, as I've said, based off those performances. The, the role of the bench is huge. And I think that's from a kind of perspective, maybe some kind of reflection to kind of see how can they improve that, you know, coming off the bridge. I know Delan came on, you know, had a decent enough game, but then it's kind of literally a front row. It started, th- there was problems there throughout, but definitely the bench when it was cleared, you could definitely see a, a significant performance drop. And, you know, going to San Francisco, we'll preview it in a while. Uh, in Paris, I think it's, um, I think there'll be more to do with a mental regroup than actually a physical regroup for Connacht, just given how, the last quarter has gone. It's a, it's a devastating quarter. You know, dropping an 18-point lead like that is at home is pretty is a, it's a pretty significant barrier to basically cross this week. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, they'll have to do plenty of, of video analysis for sure. And, and and Stad, I mean, Stad are not going to be, you know, even even with a mixture of kind of um, senior and, and new players are still going to put up a really tough game at home for Connacht. Exactly. And Stad still have an outside chance of getting in to the playoffs as well. You can see Stad throwing first, second line players in here throwing a ball around with no pressure, seeing how the result goes. Connacht are the team here that need to get a result. And, you know, Stad could be a kind of a dangerous outfit in that perspective where there's nothing expected of them, that there is pressure within the group to produce a performance. So I think that's a tricky game, and we can talk about that in due course, uh, uh, Liam, uh, in our preview of those games in round four. Um, right, we're just going to give this 90 seconds because that lends to rugby Montpellier game. Liam... I thought it was just an absolute complete disgrace from start to finish from Montpellier. Their performance was a complete and utter embarrassment to the European Rugby Champions Cup. And I hope to God that they don't qualify uh, for the last 16 of this competition. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, yeah, I, I, absolute disgrace is all I can say. But also, I mean, there's implications for, for Leinster racking up such a, a huge score as well for the other teams, you know, in terms of points difference, we'll come into it now for for placings um Montpellier were just um oh they they, they totally brought the the whole uh European Cup into disrepute for sure yeah I, I'd fully agree now all credit to Leinster I mean the layoff the pandemic they've had to contend with that but from minute one they were just so superior I mean there's pace we've alluded to last week in this podcast on the way that the Carroll Rooks, there was no contest to break them. Van der Fleer was, and Conan just were absolutely immense throughout. So when you have that platform, you could see Leinster ball carriers having two or three support runners at any given time. Montpellier were just not at the races, I'm afraid. 89 points was just, I think it was a, just a damning indictment of the selection in the first place uh, from Montpellier. Um, I, I just don't know where they go from here. And I think probably ERC probably will have a, a bit of a word with Montpellier, I would say. I'd say TV organisers and TV kind of media outlets definitely showing that game. Probably, we're probably asking a few questions there after 20, 25 minutes. You know, in we terms had those were going before, Mark. We're pretty yeah. much exactly the same situation. They lost like 92 yeah. points or something, you know, mm. uh, that they conceded to Leinster. And I don't think they ever were penalised for anything really such. No, but it's just the way this pandemic has kind of emerged. We've had, and Leinster did raise it again uh, in terms of an appeal, in terms of that walkover and the circumstances to it. And they'll definitely follow up on that, given this performance anyway. I just thought it was just, yeah, it was just a low point for this competition. They didn't need any more low points or negatives uh, kind of going into the end of this round robin, but. Yeah, it was just, um, and in fairness to Leinster, you know, they get their bonus point. Their points differential is hitting the roof here in terms of, I think they're plus 78 at the moment, which is incredible, uh, or 79 at the moment. And I think they're well primed for um, home, well, second leg uh, at home. But I think it's just left a bit of a sour taste in the mouth. And I think any fans that were in the RDS, pleased to see the Troyes flow in. But, you know, you're expecting a little bit more competitiveness um, from a French side coming over. So we'll kind of, Draw the line under that. It just wasn't wasn't an event, I'm afraid. 
So then we kind of get to Ulster. Uh, we kind of talked last week about Ulster, a great opportunity for them to really galvanise, consolidate and secure their playoff berth as potential top seeds and mission accomplished, Liam. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think we we even tipped them last week to get the the four try bonus and and to top the group. Um, and yeah, they had three tries in the first half, and they were full value for that. Um, Balakum looks class. Uh, Lowry is just pure X factor, and Doak, yeah, really good support lines, good decision making as well. Yeah, can't agree. Uh, couldn't agree with you more, darling. I think it was a uh... A fine performance from Ulster. I think we should be very excited about the backfield options that they do have in Ulster. These young guys, and the one word, the one quote that I heard was Robert Ballacombe mentioned was, "They play what's in front of them." Coaches basically allow them to play what's there. They learn from their mistakes. They'll absorb whatever is coaching advice, which I think is timely. Um, you know, for these guys, the massive potential, the offload, and I thought Ballacombe definitely for the opening try was exquisite. His power, you know, he's identification of space in the corner was superb and then he's um awareness then to set nathan doak um away uh, for the try not short and sensational and i think lowry as well could be an outside bet for that ireland squad as well i think these guys are playing hume they played superb rugby yesterday in terms of their speed their line speed was superb they're offloading northampton really didn't they had some good great phases of play. I thought Lima was an enjoyable game from start to finish because Northampton did contribute immensely to a really wide open game the way it should be played. Um but again, Ulster really impressive with ball in hand. Yeah, I mean I mean Northampton had Courtney Laws was was pretty good. Uh, Rory Hutchinson as well uh, impressed me. But um Ulster in attacking sense, they they really have a very varied game and out wide they can cause you Real damage. Oh, massive damage. Uh, you know, it's you know, and you you seen it's full effect there. Um, but again, they're on 14 points at the moment here, Liam. And if they can get a win against a- ASM Clermont Auvergne uh, this weekend coming, I mean, geez, it's uh, it sets itself up beautifully. You know, there's at least minimum of a top two place there in terms of getting into you know last 16, second leg home tie, crucial. And then literally getting an extended home run, particularly when you get to the, the single knockout phases here, whether that's quarter final, semi final. Liam, they're they're superbly set up here to go fairly long into this competition. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously it means that they are um, away. They're ho- They're away first, and then are home in the in in the in the um, round sixteen, and in the quarter final they're they're at home. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, your potential semi-finalists. And if they go on a run, absolutely. I mean, they have the players to to uh, to beat any team. Absolutely. No, it's you know particularly home field advantage, particularly in Kingspan or, or Ravenhill. Uh, it's just an absolute you know fort- fortress, particularly on European Cup nights. Um, and you wouldn't back against them going very deep, you know, and particularly. That squad as well really does excite me, particularly, you know, you know, particularly the halfback pairing. Burns, <laughs> who we did kind of criticise last week, actually had a great game uh, in, in Northampton as well. I thought he was pretty decent. I, I, yeah, and, and to be fair, I mean, I mean, uh, say Rory Best made a good point, actually. He said like that, that you know, he's much maligned um, Burns, but he he's part 
that's uh, he pl- he plays the football um that's needed to get the backline going absolutely no it's just you know you know like Rory would know best there you know inside track with the Ulster squad for so many years um but I mean look mission accomplished for uh Ulster now granted Hutchinson who was as you said Liam very very prominent in his ball carrying and creating anything that was good for Northampton Saints attacking was he did cross over with about 40 seconds left so there was a little bit of a I wouldn't say nervy moments, but it was kind of more of a kind of an anxious closing moments that could have, should have been the case. But again, a bonus point in Franklin's Gardens, you know, it kind of cements their status here. And, you know, again, another win, four from four would be absolutely superb return. And so, can I also just say one thing about, about uh, Madigan's brain fart moment? <laughs> you cannot do it. It, 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 it could, to be fair, it could have worked out quite well, right? But, um, He's he's tap and look and then <laughs> you you have to score there, and he went probably right when he could have went a bit left, you know, and that would have been it probably. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I think video analysis would have been a pearler on that one today. Somehow uh, we're recording this on Monday, seventeenth um, of January here, just for everyone. But yeah, I think for Madigan, I think he could be kind of looking down <laughs> a little bit on the video analysis on that one, but. Again, didn't cost them uh, in terms of that. So a good 20, 24-20 win uh, for the Ulstermen. Um So, yeah, we kind of leave the, the kind of round three and maybe kind of look at kind of the playoff picture as it kind of is unfolding right now, um, if I can get this up here. So on Pule at the moment, uh, just uh, for everyone, um, Ulster uh, currently first seeds uh, right now in Pule, 14 points. Uh, second, Racing 92, 14 points. La Rochelle, uh, currently on 11 points. Leinster, fourth place, currently at 10 points. Fifth, Exeter. Sixth, Sale, with seven. Claremont, Vernon, seven. And Glasgow Warriors, currently fifth. Tied with the team that I don't want <laughs> to get in. Apologies for any Montpellier fans uh, listening to the podcast. But uh, they're currently uh, on five points as well. Uh, on Pool B, uh, it's Hurricanes, Leicester, Munster, Bristol, top four. And then Bordeaux, Begley's, Connacht at sixth, Toulouse and Wasps. Maybe we can mention the Wasps game here, uh, Liam. I think that's probably the standout result uh, from round three was Wasps 30-22 uh, win with 14 players against the reigning champions Toulouse. Yeah, yeah, in- incredible. They played some absolutely incredible rugby. And following on from their, their win against uh, the Leicester Tigers, they are now informed team coming to Thomond Park. And they'll be coming to win. There's no doubt about it. Like, and incapable of doing it. It's a very spicy fixture. Just given that result, um, and given the circumstances of this result, when Umanga went off, sent off for the the head challenge on Dupont. Uh, I mean, you had Chris Busby and McNeese, the TMO. You know, correct decision, my opinion. Uh, it looked like it upward kind of slope for the Wasps to ne- negotiate. But I thought their pack here, Liam, was absolutely phenomenal. The work rate, the desire, the determination to win the game line, win the plat- platform was superb. I thought Barbary, Shields, Willis, Backrow, Emencia, Cardell, Gaskell, Martinez, Cruz, Allo. It was a phenomenal pack performance and I think Munster have been forewarned. Yeah, and and and, and like a, a lot of those tries were were real close in efforts by the by the the back row. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly, you know, and you know, looking at Jimmy Gopper there as well, 
playing superb. Uh, su- superb will be at 12. Got a very exciting backline as well, you know, a few youngsters. But again, to a man, once they went down to 14 players, they looked so galvanised. And we kind of mentioned off air that, that that wasn't the Wasps team that we'd seen against Munster on round one. Particularly, I don't care who you are, if you have six first-teamers scratched on the morning of a game, you're going to absolutely struggle and so approved. I think this Wasps performance in Tolan Park will be significantly different. Uh, I think Munster are going to have to progressively improve, particularly the attacking side of their play, to really get a result here. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 oh, absolutely. I think, I think it's a game to, it's, it's a up in the air. Um, but you know, we have also game on game incrementally improved, um, in the last month. So yeah, I mean, I mean, if we vary our game more, we can, we can take it to another level as well. Absolutely. Exactly, and I think these cast games really do those kind of marquee performances. I know we've gotten eight points from those two games. It does galvanise the side. These are hard physical battles that have been won here by Munster, particularly the round two and three with Cast. Cast have not given anything likely to Munster Rugby on either of these fixtures. It has been very attritional, very tactical in terms of the kicking game. You know that sort of thing is going to come into play, particularly when we get to knockout rounds. I think, in fairness to Munster, they look primed for our performance here, I would think. You know, we mentioned about Chris Farrell. We saw shades of it with some lovely line breaks uh, on Friday night. I still think there's an, definitely an awful lot more in that Munster attacking line and mindset, really. And I, I think it all looks set for a cracking game on Sunday uh, at Tolan Park, you know, and with you know, the, the minimal crowd in. I think it'll be a great atmosphere there. Yeah, and, and you know, as per usual, we we have to front up, um, particularly the, the the front row and and get them all going and drive on from there. Exactly, uh, and it'll be interesting. I, I would imagine if um, if uh, Niall Scannell uh, can't make it, Dermot Barron will be probably slotting in, and I probably might be seeing an appearance for Scott Buckley as well um, after his. Uh, Wasp heroics uh, on round one, um, which will be good to see as well. Uh, but again, hopefully Niall is recovering from the shoulder injury because it looked like an, you know, a nasty enough uh, knock there early against Cast, you know. But and again, we didn't allude to it with Crowley as well. It was such a learning curve because the typical French side at home, they identified Crowley and went for him as well in terms of the physicality. They didn't spare him, and Ferris Crowley and the rest of the monster players they really did stand up, uh, which is great. Um, so, Liam, crystal ball time again. We weren't too bad, I think, in the predictions last week for round three. Yeah, I, I, I think we got very much most. Yeah, right, I didn't think we? our Wasp colleagues kind of threw us for a loop if anyone had our kind yeah. of uh, trifecta uh, bit going there. But, uh, yeah, let's kind of go through these, uh, um, Liam, um, very quickly. Yeah. So, on Friday night on round three, there's one game on tap here. This is at the Stoop in London. Harlequins facing our good friends cast. Uh, how do you see that one going? Oh, um, at this stage, I suppose you'd have to say we'd cast pretty much out of as well and, and, and Quinn's flying. Bonus point win for the Quinns? I'd probably go along with that. I think, um, again, with Quinns, they're providing an awful lot of excitement on their rugby and all credit to Cardiff Blues last week, I thought. You know, again, another progressive, nice performance from them. We're very unlucky, I thought, but again, I think Quinns, just the magnitude of the game here, they could really kind of consolidate in terms of a top two seed here um, uh, on that pool. 
So yeah, and I think cast, I think you could go on and definitely see a team selection of second and third string. You know, they're just going to play out the fixture. Nothing, nothing of two of magnitude there for them. They may surprise me and put a few frontliners in, but I'd be very surprised given Pro 14 coming up. Um, then Saturday, uh, looming. Um, Toulouse, maybe under a little bit of pressure here to get a result against Cardiff Blues, who are progressing. Yeah, um, Cardiff Blues, as you said, like they, they really put it up to Queens in the in the last round there. Um, Toulouse... I suppose you you would always fancy them at home against anyone, wouldn't you? Really? Yeah, I I'm going for a home win here, uh, just purely because that result against Wasps will have focused minds, particularly into Toulouse camp. I think the manner of it, the manner that they were beaten, particularly when Wasps went down to 14 players, will not have sat well with their fan base and certainly not with the club as a whole. So I think there is a bit riding on this. They're currently on seven points at the moment. They definitely need a result. So I will go for that. Now, hopefully Cardiff Blues do produce a good performance because they're, as we're well aware, Liam, going to Cardiff. They play a lovely, expansive style of rugby. And if it does become a little bit open, a little bit fractured, and Toulouse are not accurate, Cardiff, they can hang in there for 40, 50 minutes. This could get very interesting very quickly, but I still think Toulouse will win and maybe Nick uh, kind of a late bonus point at the end. But I think Cardiff will provide a bit of competition here. Um, Johan van Grans, Bath Rugby, I'm going to say it, because he's going to be there next season, against Leinster Rugby. Um, only one way here, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Bath are a shambles at the moment, aren't they, as a, as a club? And um, Leinster, after such a break, to put up that sort of a... Uh, performance against Montpellier albeit he has to be qualified a bit um, I think Bath have nothing really to play for in this game and Leinster have a big you know still probably chipping their shoulders so they'll be they'll be going all out for five points won't they exactly I think weather conditions as well Bath and that recreational ground you know sometimes can be a little bit soft under surface it's been unseasonably dry for the last week, week and a half. So I think we should see dry track conditions and recre- recreational ground, which only can heap more misery on Bath, to be honest, just given Leinster's line speed. And I don't want to discredit Leinster's performance. 89 points against any t- team is a superb, superb achievement. I thought they were just at different levels yesterday. Um, so, And I think we're going to see that again. Bath will provide a little bit more of a stiff uh, competition, I would think. But again, they had a an away uh, loss again, a heavy loss again to La Rochelle in round three. Again, they have an outside chance, but I don't see it. I think Leinster Rugby, for me, bonus point um, secured, probably in the third quarter there. Uh, Leicester Tigers against Bordeaux Begley's. I think this is a fascinating one here, Aleem, just really depending on what team Bordeaux Begley's actually put out. Yeah, I mean, I mean they they pretty much hammered uh, Scarlet's in the last round. And, you know, they have a really good pack, a really underrated pack, actually. So um yeah I, I it's go, it's going to be fascinating just the the pack battle alone um and yeah I mean they will put it up to to Leicester for sure for the entire game I I I I think I th- I know I can't see Leicester coming away like with a five try bonus point win exactly I think it's a very kind of evenly poised one I mean Bordeaux currently have eight points they're currently fifth in Pool B. 
Now, looking down through it, the only real threat that they have of being the poses if Cass got an unlikely win against Harlequins. I mean, their team selection, I think, is probably bordering on giving some squad players fringe time. But I saw them against Scarlets yesterday, the extended highlights, and they look very impressive. An awful lot of good interplay. Their pack are just huge. They're physically a very impressive pack. So I think you're going to see an awful lot of pack intensity here. I would still go for Leicester Tigers, but I think Bordeaux Begley's are good enough for a loser bonus point for sure. Um, so I think I will give Leicester Tigers the, the nod here. Uh, it'll be a tight encounter. Uh, Scarlets face Bristol Bears who travel across the Severn. Uh, who are we fancying in there, uh, Liam? Well, yeah, I saw a bit of that um, uh, Bears um, stat, stat game and they really can play some incredibly expensive rugby. Um, when, they, when they're on the front foot, the Bears. Um, Scarlets, it's, it's just a tough season for them all around. Um, uh, so I think the Bears will, will get the, the four-try bonus in this this scenario. Yeah, I mean, my hope is that Scarlets come out and produce performance. I think their squad is well capable of producing a good attacking performance. You know, we saw little glimpses of it against Bordeaux Begley's but again, there was too many unforced errors uh, yesterday, uh, particularly uh, against Bordeaux. So they're really going to have to tighten up on all aspects again. Now, we've said about Bristol Bears, when they're brilliant, they're world class. But if they're not, they can be very, very mediocre. So, But again, I think the magnitude of the game is huge for Bristol Bears. If they get a bonus point win here that puts them on 17 points, if you take Munster's fixture against uh, Wasps, which could be a bit of a dogfight here. Not out of the possibility that Bristol will overtake Munster into that third spot uh, as well. Um, so I think Scarlets, hopefully for Welsh rugby, particularly the regions, that to produce a bit of a performance. But I can only see Bristol Bears probably winning here because they have the more onus. And, to, and as you say yourself, Bristol Bears do like to kind of create the expansive style. But same with Scarlets as well. So this could be one that could be one of those shocks that we're not expecting Scarlets to do anything, but it's that game plan from Bristol Bears. How expensive are they going to be? Because no better team than Scarlets to an open, unstructured game to really punish a team. So we'll give a hesitant bet to Bristol Bears, but that could be a very high-scoring game. Uh, then we have, uh, this is a juicy one, Glasgow Warriors against La Rochelle, uh, with huge ramifications, I think, for both sides here on the result. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, I think Warriors... They're they're well capable of getting a result actually against La Rochelle, um, in Scotstone. And uh yeah, they they kinda gave up a lot of points there in the last round, didn't they? They they kinda collapsed really is the only way it's in, in, in saying it. But I, I still th- think they have they have it in them for a big performance this weekend. Yeah, I mean it was very evenly contested between themselves and we said it last week, they're almost perennial European rivals between Exeter Chiefs and Glasgow Warriors. No love really lost between those two, given the recent uh, fixtures in Europe, but particularly from, let's say, minute 50 on, it was an absolute horror show from Glasgow. Uh, pack path formed completely disintegrated. Exeter got completely on top. 30-plus points later, they're looking at a big hiding. Um, and we kind of said about Connacht having to mentally regroup. I think it's going to be safe for Glasgow Warriors here. You know, where do you put the video analysis on that last 30 minutes? You know, you have to kind of build up the confidence somehow with the, the group here. Um, La Rochelle coming in, you know, fresh off that win against Bat, it was fairly regulation routine stuff from them. 
with the bonus points. So La Rochelle, I'm going to give, we're probably going to be in a little bit of conflict here, Liam, but I think for me, Glasgow have it all to do here, uh, particularly from an attacking side of the ball, because La Rochelle definitely, for me, are fairly well primed for a long extended stay in Europe. They need a result and preferably a bonus point try win. For me, I think it's La Rochelle and Glasgow are hope well. The way things are panning out, if Northampton, Bath and Ospreys are gone, um, Montpellier don't get a result against Exeter Chiefs, who we're going to talk about next. It means that Glasgow are still in there. The points difference massive between themselves and Montpellier. So I think for me, it is an away win for La Rochelle. And then we get to Sunday. And I mean, I think it's a defining day for Connacht Rugby here, Um, you know, to get into the last 16 of the European Rugby Champions Cup would be a marvellous achievement for the squad. Um, having to travel to Paris against Stade Francais, a team that they did easily account for in the sports grounds. But again, as we know, Liam, full well, these French t- teams are a different specimen altogether once they're in home confines. How do you feel this game will go? Yeah, I mean, they could put out their whole, I suppose, you, you know, you team and uh, underage team, Stade and and still be highly competitive and still win the game, you know. Um, but you just feel this is Connacht's time, you know. And it could go to as, yeah, I mean, they were shocked and they would be so downhearted from losing the last day. But also that could be highly motivational. They could really kick on and come away with a, a tri-bonus point victory. Um I certainly can see Connacht actually winning this game and qualifying for the knockout stages. I think this game is going to be decided by composure and game management for Connacht rugby. They can't go overcommit too early on this. They really need to set the platform in the pack for me. They can't really rush this game um, in terms of really looking to how am I going to describe this? Well, just to literally not force things, not be too over-anxious. Continue to trust their process and their systems because that could be the natural reaction after an 18-point reversal against Exeter or Leicester Tigers at the weekend is to not really kind of think, you know, hopefully there's been a good video review analysis of what's gone on. And I would hope, as you say, Liam, there's plenty of motivation within that group to prove people wrong in terms of and in fairness, Leicester Tigers are an outstanding side. Gallagher Premiership, they're top of the table. So there is no disgrace in terms of like losing 29-28. I mean, it does show Steve Borwick's reaction after that game was just one of immense relief that they knew they were in one hell of a battle. So, I mean, Connection can take massive confidence from it. I mean, the last play of the game, you know, is kind of deciding the game. But again, I think from a Connick perspective, just... You know, we need Jack Carty, we need Kieran Marion to control things, continue to trust the process, the attacking lines. They're going to get opportunities against Stade Francais. They do give you try scoring opportunities. It's just the defensive side of things and the set piece has to be tight. I'm going to go Connacht win. Uh, I don't think there is a bonus point there. All we need is four points here. Just get to the next round. Don't leave this until the last few fixtures to decide your faith. Just literally play solid. We're now in knockout rugby terms for Connacht Rugby, and I hope uh, they do deliver and turn up with a performance. And against that or that dangerous outfit where they may have literally a first-team, second-team squad selection 
that can work one of two ways that they can just literally play an outstanding game because there's no pressure on them or if Connacht can press a little bit early the doubts and they'll basically cave in so hopefully for Connacht and best luck to them as well I think it'd be a magnificent achievement I'll give them a way win there for sure um, Racing 92 against Saints I think that could be an easy decision here uh, Liam yeah yeah I, I could see Finn Russell having a, a field day in this game yeah um, I think they're definitely going to kick on. Uh, like, like the Saints play a nice brand of rugby. They probably still have too many unfit, unenforced errors, and that's probably a reflection of they do they can't play at such an intensity at this level at the moment. Um, Racing are still, you know, one of the one of the top sides in Europe. And they'll be looking for probably basically like second seed in in, in the, the pool. So I definitely tip Racing. Yeah, currently they're joint top Ulster um, on 14 points. So, uh, I mean, excuse me, um, Racing 92 have got the, uh, the bonus point, 19 points. It really be... Um, it uh, would be really a good kind of game there to basically establish and consolidate. I mean, I think Racing 92 are one of the dark horses for me. Again, hopefully they would get over the line. They've been one of the prominent teams in the last God knows how long. They've been knocking on that European kind of rugby championship trophy. Um, so, I mean, Finn Russell there. I'm I'm just thinking of Northampton sense defensively here, particularly if it gets a little bit open, a bit unstructured. You saw Ulster really destroy them. When they had ball in hand and the quick in, in, incisive passing of Balakun and Lowry and Nathan Doak and these guys. And then you have like Finn Russell, Kenny Thomas, guys like that. It, it, for me, it's only leaning towards one result. And that, I think, is a Racing 92 bonus point win. We go back to Saturday because we actually forgot Ulster Rugby <laughs> when we're talking about this with ASM for uh, Clermont Auvergne. And uh, I think, as we said, as, you know, if, you know, at the start of the podcast, it's a huge game for Ulster just to... Four from four, 100% record. And if they could possibly get a kind of a bonus point win here, it would continue to establish themselves as uh, the top seed in Pule in an extended home run. Um, what are you, your verdict there on Ulster? Do you think they'll get the win against Kerma? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I think they'll get the win. I'm, I'm not sure they'll get the, the bonus point win. Um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a massive uh, opportunity for them to go, as you say, almost. <laughs> I think it, almost into the, uh, as a, path, a clear path into the semi-finals. So um, they will. They, I think they're going to kick on, um, and and I think it'll be a comfortable win in the end. Yeah, I think so too. Um, again, I think very much like Connacht. You know, just don't be too over anxious early. Uh, trust the process trust your systems in place I'll watch a good chunk of that ASM Claremont Arvorn Sale Sharks just for curiosity's sake I thought Sale Sharks were very unlucky not to win that match um, they did fluff a few try scoring opportunities um, particularly Tom Curry at the line uh, there was uh, a double movement that could have been a key decisive score Claremont Arvorn are not the team of the last decade let's let's be brutally honest I think there's two there's you know, Fritz is there, an absolute magnificent service rugby club. There is flashes of brilliance, as we said last week in this podcast, but there is also an awful lot of vulnerability, particularly in that back line. Uh, one of sales tries did come from a, a very good kick uh, from deep and was basically collected by the number 14. It just shows the defensive vulnerabilities here. And if you can think of 
Ulster, Nathan Duck has a great boot, even Burns, you know, even getting inside, you know, a few grubber kicks, literally, and the way Clermont and Burns historically haven't really travelled well, particularly when it's got to Kingspan, I think might be all set. I'm going to go bonus point home win here for Ulster. I think they may need to make a statement here. They need to go four from four, but they need to literally go and say, we are a team that needs to are seriously in serious credentials here to win uh, in European Rugby Championship Cup. So I'll give them the nod there. Claremont and Vern, I think for their perspective, they're going to be hanging on for a few results, I think. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, they're seventh place at the moment. They're precariously placed. But uh, let's see how things go. And then the last two, Sale Sharks against the Ospreys. Uh, what are we thinking there, uh, Liam? Are the Ospreys kind of a bit of a shambles at the, at this at this point? Um and Sale, as you said, Sale kind of kind of un, un, unlucky in a lot of European games this season. Um, they 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 had that nice uh, brand between the the power, the South African power front and and the and the backline as well. So um, yeah, um, I I give five points to the to Sale Sharks at that stage. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I'm, I'm being a little bit disappointed with the Ospreys in truth. I mean. When we saw them against Munster Rugby, particularly before the international, the November internationals, I thought this team had turned a corner. Very well structured, well organised, but nothing has seems to have gone right here for Toby Booth. Uh, particularly, um, you know, they've been now in fairness racing 92 or top quality side. They've also played Sale as well, which they, they compete well in the opening round. But I think Sale Sharks have it all to do here in terms of getting the onus is on them to get a, a bonus point and climb up the table. I think they will. I think they'll get the five points here. I think Paral Osprey's here. Um, like Toby Boot is probably focusing in on the URC a little bit now. It'll be interesting to see what team selection he does provide there. But yeah, sale charts for me all day, unfortunately, because I do rate the Ospreys, you know, a great club, Swansea Neath, great, great rugby uh, area as well. And then the final game, <laughs> it's my team, Montpellier, yeah, against the Exeter Chiefs. Uh, yeah, um, I'm not going to say who I'm going to, but look, you're the impartial one here, Liam, so who do you think is going to win? Um, plus 60, extra Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> that says it all. <laughs> yeah, I just hope for Montpellier's sake and tournament organisers' sake that they do front up this week and provide a good quality team out, you know, and I think a club of Montpellier's magnitude, they're definitely not going to lie down after that horrific now, I mean, I can see the calculator risk, but the fact of the matter is it's backfired enormously. So now it's a case of having to put some frontliners in and against extra Chiefs. They have had a bit of a history between each other in recent European seasons, so no love lost there either. So extra Chiefs will come with confidence after that Glasgow win. Um, for me, I think it's probably going to be in a way win for Exeter, but I think this is going to be tight. I think Montpellier will definitely respond. And I'm just I'm just a little bit worried for Glasgow, you know, uh, thinking about this a little bit more. Just in terms of that La, La Rochelle game, is a very much it's the worst team you could possibly play for Glasgow, coming in needing a result to kind of consolidate your top eight spot. Montpellier could come and easily produce a loser bonus point or a bonus point try in a high scoring game in Exeter and get through as well. So um, for me, it is going to be Exeter loser bonus point Montpellier, and we're gonna just see how things go from there. Um, so that's kind of our predictions. Uh, yeah, let's have the crystal ball out next week. I think Liam and see uh, how did we do with the betting slips, uh, which is good. Uh, but thanks for that. Anyway. And, Munster, and Munster, 
Monster Wasps. We call it, we give it called that. Yeah, because we didn't even mention it last week, did we? We cast we were kind of literally scripted in eighteen fifteen. We didn't actually call it, so I suppose call it there, Liam. In terms of Monster Wasps. Uh, in terms of Monster Wasps, okay. I mean, I mean, going on form, um, I can't see Munster getting anywhere near uh, the four try bonus point win. Um, I think we'll get a few tries. I think Wasps will come away with a losing bonus point. Um, so Munster by five, six points to win. Yeah, I think I think it's a real dangerous fixture. It could also be, of course, uh, uh, the opposite way and uh, and wasps win, but um, that's what I'll go with. Yeah, yeah. I think with Munster, is the pressure off a little bit this week? You know, they've already kind of secured qualification uh, somehow. You know, and what we'd hope to see here is a little bit more of an attacking intent. Hopefully, the weather conditions in Tolman Park lend itself to it, but. Again, I don't see them caught in terms of top four, uh, for sure. So I would hope to see a bit more of a better attacking, cohesive, cohesive game plan from Munster. You know, again, Crowley's going to get more continued game time, I would say, at 10. Uh, and again, himself and Murray, <laughs> have they ever played uh, with each other um, in a Munster setup? I think, you know, that cohesion as well uh, will improve in, in this game as well. I mean, I think we do stack up nicely with Wasp, particularly from... Uh, a pack perspective. Um, but yeah, Wasps do have a bit of motivation coming in here. Um, but I would hope Munster, you know, definitely kind of, you know, take off the shackles a little bit, play a little more, more expansive, you know, a bit more creative. I think the um, Tone Park would, Faithful would like to see that. Um, but yeah, but for me anyway, you know, like we have the X Factor and likes of Tyke Byrne, Peter Mahoney, guys like that, they'll be able to nullify a few of the Wasps' uh, back, back row threats. Going to be a good game, though. I mean, I think the, the results uh, on Saturday, particularly with Wasps, really did make this fixture very spicy. I'm really looking forward to it, um, Liam. Um, for me, I think six point. Yeah, I definitely see Wasps getting something from the game. You know, historically, Wasps are a team that will not fear Munster one bit, uh, you know, and they will come with a game plan and they'll look to get a result in Tone Park. So it's really up to Munster producer. A, good, a better performance than what we've seen, but I think cast have to be, that case study has to be put into context. I think this is the game where we really need to evaluate Munster in terms of attacking game plan because Wasps do like to play a little bit expansive as well when they get the platform. So I would expect Munster to create line breaks here. So let's see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Very good. Um, yeah. Liam, I suppose before we adjourn, uh, we'll go back to Munster Rugby a little bit uh, in terms of Contract renewals again, um, you know, significant news in terms of Orgy Schneiman, uh, signing Zebo, two-year contracts. Uh, what's your viewpoint on a few of these uh, signings? I suppose it's good news anyway in terms of uh, players committing long-term futures with the club. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I suppose in terms of Schneiman, you could say, how could you pass? How could he possibly leave having, you know, if if Munster offer you a contract? Uh, in good faith, um, uh, after two years of non-existent playing, um, but um, yeah, I, I also, I mean, you could view it like that. Who else would have taken a punt <laughs> on Snayman <laughs> next season? Uh, so I don't think there was a huge amount of contracts available to him. Um, but I, in terms of, I, I, I think he's the kind of guy. 
he's the kind of player that you need to win competitions. Oh, completely. So if he, if he, if we can do something like Marcel Coetzee, who um, was also out for the best part of two seasons, if you remember, for Ulster, and he came storming back, and he had two seasons where he was like the best eight in the competition, and our domestic competition. So it can certainly uh, turn around and work out well for us. Um, he is an immense world-class player, simple as that. So I personally am delighted that we've taken the chance on backing him for another two years. Um, in terms of Zebo, it's probably unusual that he got a two-year deal. I mean, <laughs> at this stage of his career, um, we've yet to, to, he came back this season, got a really good shy in his first game back and hasn't really been seen since. <laughs> so that there has to be questions around, around that. Um, but like, you know, he is our top record try scorer. So um, he has shown X Factor in the past. Hopefully he'll bring it again. Exactly. No, I, I completely agree with you. I think the RG Schneiman is, uh, I think I'm too far. I'm just thinking about Axel Foley, you know, the way, you know, Tyler Blendell, you know, the injury issues there. And, you know, you don't, you don't desert a guy, you know, injury issues like that. That was kind of my feeling in terms of RG Schneiman that Munster were going to offer him the contract, you know, because, and I think there has been a return of faith here from RG Schneiman. I feel that he has unfinished business, particularly with Munster rugby. And as you've, Hit nail on head here, Liam. April fifteenth on, that's your business end season, and you need top guys like Norgie Schneiman to come in. Can you imagine him second row? Ty Byrne, Peter Mahoney, you know Gavin Coombs. Physicality is what's going to win you these games, particularly pack pack platform business end of the season. If you have someone potentially like that into next season and the following season, I think can only bode well. And please God, Norgie can get his fitness nightmare injury issues out of the way that we can see the full potential we could see it you know in terms of the stormers game in Thomas park when he came in he's just an absolute man mountain you know his ball of ball making ability is absolutely incredible so i think you know it's a great move for both both the player and the club and also for a guy like orgy nyman to be in a facility it can only help like sophinian literally it can only help tom hearn up and coming guys, and I don't know if this is an outlandish comment here. Thinking more about Jack O'Donoghue, a very versatile back row. Is there maybe a potential suggestion here that Jack O'Donoghue Donahue is a versatile enough to maybe slot into a second row position because he certainly has the physique, physicality uh, here as well. Um, that we're kind of looking at our squad. That I'm looking at John Hodder, I'm looking at Alex Cadellan, I'm looking yeah. at back row options here that we need to kind of think a little bit outside the box. But I think in terms of that's another debate for another podcast, just throwing it in uh, there. People will be talking about that for ages. But yeah, well, I, I mean, we, we could talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, we also have Tom Hearn and uh, Owen O'Connor as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, in, 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 and, and to be honest, I don't think Finney Witchery has ever really, to my mind, uh, kicked on at, at second row. So there is a slot open there as you said for potentially Jack O'Donoghue yeah yeah again you're just yeah because I haven't mentioned Jason Jenkins to me he's been an absolute disappointment you know 
and this is the key decision here it's when are we going to see them on a training paddock you know it's, it just seems to be endless injuries and issues here and he did it wasn't as if he didn't come here without that kind of record as well and just thinking that recruitment as well was just a little bit you know haphazard a little bit but kind of going to your point Steinman great move Zebo I think he's there experience wise to really kind of bring on the next generation of Munster wingers here it's good to have a guy like Zebo there record try score give the tricks of the trade I still think he has a massive part to play you know granted descending off against Ulster he wasn't suspended or disappearing action kind of reversed the decision but I think from a Zebo perspective particularly when we get to these two-legged playoffs I think it's going to be quite novel in terms of how this is going to be approached you definitely need experience and you just don't know what Six Nations term and stuff like that players are going to go injured and for Munster you need experience particularly at the business end uh, particularly in the last 16 and potentially I kind of predicted that we were probably going to play extra Chiefs in a two-legged affair. You definitely need someone with the experience of uh, Simon Zebo who can fulfil all three back, uh, back three positions at ease. So I think, for me, maybe kind of a raised eyebrow at the start, but I can see the upside. I can see why you've committed long-term with him. And I think we've had a few others, like Dermot Barron, guys like that, Scott Buckley. You know, they, you know, there's been various other guys that have signed on, which is great. I mean, it does show um, that players are kind of committed to the cause, committed to the franchise. We can only bode well. And I think the next important business is probably lining Clyde up. Byrne. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I mean, is it, is it just a thing that he signed probably a, a national contract and, and it's going to be announced sometime in the Six Nations, you reckon? I think there's, yeah, now... What we haven't heard is, yeah, Damien Delende. We haven't heard from our John Ryan, you know, one of my favourite players within the Munster rugby squad. And again, the rumours persist about Ryan moving to England, potentially to Saracens, Delende potentially moving each England or to Japan, to look to Japanese league. I think you're going to hear those announcements probably coming within the next three to four weeks. And I think a head coaching role probably needs to get announced within them as well. To really set expectations within the Munster fan base, the supporters, season ticket holders, and everyone else connected to the club, where the club is going. Um, so I think we're going to see other announcements. I think these player announcements are great. We've seen it with Connacht, we've seen it with Ulster, we've seen it with Leinster as well, to a certain degree. But you're definitely going to see stuff, particularly. Yeah. Can I also just say, Mark, in regarding you know uh, Ron O'Gara and his his very entertaining column in, in the Examiner, he kind of. Uh, this does a bit in in the sense of there's no problem in saying we have to play a buck type of rugby, but uh, in terms of Scott Robertson, he he suggested Scott Robertson wouldn't come near uh, Munster because of the, the style of play. Um, it's just you know we have the players. It's just a question of another coach like Scott Robertson could easily come in and transform the um, the attitude and the the playing style. So. That's you know that it would be like a blank canvas if he came in, perfectly. Oh, I tell you what, I'll mention one. Uh, was it Rob Petty, head coach? Mm. He came in to revolutionise the way Munster played, and we saw an absolute mishmash of, you know, you could see what Penny wanted to produce. I'm thinking that's kind of that same sort of. What are our strengths? You know, what is the focal point of Munster rugby typically is a pack platform. To read then kind of, you know, and you'll see it in the best teams, particularly business end. It's packed platform now. It's your front five really executing to the highest standards in set piece and in close contact. 
creating lines and uh, creating space for backlines you know this kind of yeah revolutionized thing but you have to kind of know what your strengths are and then supplement them with other kind of key facets where a head coach like a scott robertson or comes in or someone from new zealand or something like that it's yeah i did read the column it was look it's easy to kind of given the cast games they've just been turgid affairs from start to finish but again it's it's going to be very interesting to see who the candidates have been. <laughs> I wonder if we will ever find out who's been interviewed on Zoom calls or Skype calls, you know, to find out what's your three-year plan, five-year plan, you know, what, what's your kind of rugby ethos, stuff like that, because I'd like us to go a little bit, you know, you know, the pack platform for me is everything, front five, and, you know, definitely in the business end, we've been found wanting, definitely when we get to the business end particularly from a front five perspective, we're just not big enough. We're not powerful enough, physical enough. It's, you know, and it's kind of a mainstay and good solid game management. Uh, I think the attacking line break, stuff like that will come and flow naturally. I, I, but again, in terms of, yeah, I mean, definitely in the front five, the, the lack of, of, of real power. But, you know, probably Salanoa probably has that power. And Sneeman probably has that power as well. And, you know, when you're injured for, for those periods... And, and Noah committing to a long-term contract with Munster as well. That's, yeah. I think that's a huge statement from the club to say, look, we recognise these massive potential at this at this rugby club. So, and I'd hope to see Noah really kick on. Same with Keenan Knox. You know, these are guys now that we really need to start challenging. Um, you know, the loyal Stephen Archers, David Coyne. You know, again does so much for Munster Rugby but we need the competition levels particularly in those props the hooker position as well with Scott Buckley now Dermot Barron you know we just need these guys now to elevate and you know you know it's the jersey it's literally if you're performing in the jersey you keep it you keep retaining on the jersey it's not a case of reputation over form which sometimes has been the case for key European games in recent seasons you know we really need to start picking on form on certain positions particularly kind of front five wise particularly front row um so it'd be very interesting like uh, these guys have upside huge youth huge potential so hopefully um yeah i think this time of year it's kind of speculation central in terms of head coaching jobs and who comes in but again the guy that comes in has to realize and has to appreciate what's there before in terms of the solid groundwork in terms of the pack the management all that sort of stuff and there is massive as you say massive potential particularly in the back line um, particularly like say Chris Farrell who stays and retains in you know his spot if we can still retain Delende that would be marvellous but probably not the case so then we're kind of looking at a 12 uh, Fikato being mentioned from yeah, what we, we don't really have anyone in the academy do we like a, a kind of centre is kind of a we've n- produced no one really for the last you know years. so yeah so I think Liam definitely after the Welsh game that's round one of the Six Nations. I think we're going to see some provincial announcements again. I think quite significantly from a Munster Rugby perspective, I'd be looking forward and looking to see if there will be a head coaching announcement made towards the mid to end of the month of next month. It has to happen. If it goes, drifts into kind of end of March, we don't want this to be a distraction in terms of the selection, having the media to basically feel for a head coaching job, head coach Van Graan, round three guys like that to question that ahead of a two-legged last 16 affair so i think that's going to come sooner rather than later yeah hope so too absolutely perfect Liam, we'll leave it there thanks very much anyway Liam, uh for uh the inside contributions today so 
yeah, an exciting round four. Uh, I'd say we'll get the calculators out next week, uh, Liam, and we'll figure out. Yeah, just just for everyone's interest, I kind of looked at the predictions. Uh, here are my kind of last sixteen draw predictions. You can laugh at them all you want next week, but for me, Ulster rugby facing wasps, racing ninety two against Connacht, La Rochelle Bordeaux Begley's. Here's your heavyweight challenge: Leinster rugby versus Toulouse, and then you have Harlequins versus Glasgow, Leicester Tigers against Claremont Avern. Bristol Bears sales sharks and once rugby playing extra chiefs. So again, that's all conjecture, all speculation, but uh we'll probably review it next week, Lane, and see where we go from there. Jeez, if we, if we got that would be delighted for the four Irish teams. Real prospects of getting through. Like Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think we have yeah, yeah. the we have to be confident here. And you know, best of luck to all the four provinces uh in round four and you know, particularly Connacht as well. Let's let's hopefully they do the business in Paris because that would be a magnificent achievement. Friendly friend. I don't think it stops there either. Um, you know, a two-legged novelty of this last 16 would maybe throw up a few shock results here as well. If you can get a good early home leg advantage, that keeps pressure on the team in the second leg. So I think this is going to be a fascinating uh, last 16 draw. So uh, all to play for. Liam, thanks very much again. Uh, have a good week and enjoy the games of the weekend. Yep, enjoy the whole weekend. Okay. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.